Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Timothy. Hello. We're a book club for games. And today we are. Today we're going to talk about Outer Wilds. Spoilers for Outer Wilds at this point. Good point. Good point. No spoilers yet. So we're going to talk about Outer Wilds in a spoiler free way, at least at first. And when we go into full on spoiler territory, everything will be spoiled. We'll warn you. So if you haven't played Outer Wilds, feel free to keep listening. Until we signal the spoiler alarm, and then GTFO until they've played the game. So, Mike, what is Outer Wilds? It's a masterpiece. It's an incredible game. If I had played this game last year when it came out, it would definitely have been the best game I played last year. It would have been my game of the year for sure. It's incredible. It's been a really long time since I played something that felt really new. Like, wow, I've not played something like this before. So, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was truly incredible. But we'll go into that later. <laughs> Let's talk a little about the the history. Well, it's kind of... I was going to say wild. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it is kind of wild. It's, it's originally a student project. So in 2012, this guy, Alex Beecham, has to do a master's project for his interactive media and games degree at USC. And so he makes this prototype where you're a little spaceship and you explore this solar system. And people just, people just went crazy for it. Like I, I guess because it was this really imaginative, innovative thing. Like people could see the magic or the potential in it. So, in 2015, it won the Excellence in Design and the Seamus McNally Grand Prize at the IGF Awards. IGF being the Independent Games Festival, and. After graduating, Alex Beecham had actually joined a studio called Mobius Digital, which, again, bizarrely, was founded by Massey Oka, who is Hero from Heroes. At least that's where I know him from. Same. And, yeah, he was working there. But 
Outer Wilds wasn't one of their games. However, you know, since it won all those awards at the IGF, they obviously decided, well, we should definitely all work on this game because it's got huge potential and everyone sees that. So the entire studio kind of decided to refocus on making a more polished version of Outer Wilds and releasing it. And to get more money, they were actually the first crowdfunded game on Fig. So that was in late 2015. Then Annapurna Interactive, who publish a lot of really kind of... What is their MO? It's kind of games with amazing story or games with heart. Like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. But, Seems you so, know, they, yeah. they published What Remains of Edith Finch as well, right? Like, that's the other thing I, I know Annapurna Interactive for. And, yeah, they bought the rights from Fig in 2018. And they didn't want, you know, a polished student project. They wanted, they wanted like, a bigger budget game. And so a lot of the artwork and music and everything was just redone at this point. And I think they kind of also extended the story or just made more coherency to the story because before it was just it was just a few vignettes and like interesting planets with things to explore, but I think this is the moment when they really tied it all together and made this bigger story that all the different places were part of. And then finally and controversially they took the epic money and became an Epic Game Store exclusive, which made a few people furiously angry because they'd backed it in 2015 on Fig, expecting to get it on Steam, and then were told, oh yeah, you can get it on Epic. And they were like, I hate the Epic Store. But it released on the Epic Game Store May 28th, 2019, Xbox May 29th, PS4 October 15th, and then finally... It came out on Steam June 18th, 2020, which is when I remembered that it existed and bought it. They didn't spend long to polishing it. What, what, they didn't spend long? They didn't need to spend long. So 2018, Annapurna Interactive bought the rights from Fig, and then they just were polishing away. You know, i got to admit, I don't really know if the timeline as I've described it is perfectly accurate. Uh, that's just what I've you know pieced together by reading the Wikipedia page, and also watching the really excellent Noclip documentary. So Noclip, who are quite famous for doing indie games, it's not just indie games, actually, just general gaming documentaries. Yes. They did a really excellent one for Outer Wilds, and they interview a lot of the people involved and talk about how you know the game evolved and show footage of the earlier prototypes and stuff. So that's worth watching after you listen to this podcast. But still, it took seven years to make this game. Really, think about it. it. You know, from 2012 to 2019. I find that kind of terrifying. I mean, I know you could argue most of the game was kind of together by, well, probably by 2012, right? That's when, that's when that first version came out. And then by 2015, it had already won all these awards. But seven years to get the product we've got, you know, today. It actually frightens me to think, you know, if I want to make an indie game, how many years is it going to take? And there's no guarantee it's going to be anywhere as good or successful as this. But it won't be as crazy as this. 
you may want it to be. I want, yeah, that's the thing. I want, to, I want to make a masterpiece. You know, I want, I want to make a game that people talk about. And yeah, this game is an actual work of genius. I mean, look, we've we've talked about. Well, I've just gone and said a load of superlatives, and then we talked about the journey. In you know, it went through in being made. But why don't you actually say what is the game? Like, what actually is it? It's a game about exploring the solar system. You don't get any objectives. You're given, at the beginning, just some launch codes. And interestingly, the first NPC you come across, post-launch codes, they'll ask you, what are you going to do? What do you want to do? And then he'll suggest some things you could do. Yeah, the way the conversation works is... They they ask you, what are you going to do after you launch? And there are certain things you can pick. So, you know, you could say, I'm going to find out about the Nomai, who are some alien species that you learn exists in this museum just before you get the launch codes. I'm going to find the other travelers because, you know, you're just the latest in a whole sequence of explorers that have launched into the solar system as part of this space program. I'm going to go where no one's gone before or I'm going to wing it or whatever. Like There are several conversation options. But the key thing is they don't give you a mission. They're just like, here's a spaceship, off you go. And yeah, that's it. There's literally a solar system out there with orbital mechanics and planets turning and day-night cycles very quick day-night cycles. Like it's like a it's like a baby solar system. It's like really small. Like you can fly from one side of it to the other in like a couple of minutes, I think. But it's just there's actually just so much to explore. I mean, it's like it's kind of like the opposite of No Man's Sky, right? Cuz in No Man's Sky, there's just like 11 bajillion planets to go to but they're all the same. And there's this like incredibly huge galaxy that you need a warp drive to jump between different systems. But what's the point? Because there's nothing new to see. Whereas here we've got this tiny toy solar system, but every planet is really different. Like every single place has a lot of interesting stuff to see. And it can be quite dramatic at times. Do you want to talk about Giants Deep? I don't think it's a huge spoiler. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Not if it's non-spoiler. I don't want to talk about anything. I'm. It's too dangerous for me because I don't have enough. I don't have the full context, and I may say something spoilery accidentally. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess the last things it's easy to talk about that are definitely spoiler-free are specific gameplay mechanics. So. You have a spaceship, you can fly about. The whole solar system is actually being simulated all the time. So one of the things you have on well, on your spaceship and actually on your spacesuit is this thing called the Scout. So you can basically launch this little probe and the probe takes pictures. So it's a very elegant thing from a game 
design perspective because it serves multiple purposes. It lets you, well, it's called the scout and you can use it to scout out dangerous terrain. So you can just fire it in front of you. And if there's something dangerous, like there's this stuff called ghost matter, which will kill you if you stand in it for like any length of time you know the scout can be used to detect it and you'll realize it's in front of you and you're like oh okay i should not walk into that because it's invisible until you know something makes contact with it or spiky terrain or just you know to see round corners or to see if there's safe to drop down you know you can you can fire your scout over a dark ledge and then discover it's full of spikes at the bottom and i should definitely not try and go down there you know the, and then also the scout obviously is a light source so when you shoot it into a dark room, it will light the whole room up. And yeah, it has a camera. So when you shoot it around a corner, you can use the built-in camera to look around the corner. And that's also how you realize it's doing this crazy thing of simulating the whole solar system all the time. Because you can just leave your scout on a different planet and then go somewhere else. And it's still sending you pictures from that planet, which is how you realize it's rendering and simulating that that entire planet even when you're not on it. Although there's also the funny downside of everything magically moving all the time, which is the game has a nice coherent style, but it still looks kind of bad since they kind of can't use... Well, I think that kind of awkwardly caught in the middle, right? Because in another 10, 15 years this game would probably look amazing because just you just ray trace all the things. But right now, computers aren't powerful enough to do that, or certainly not the games consoles. And the way games usually look good is what they call baked lighting. And this game can't use any of that because everything is moving all the time. So it still kind of looks like a student project, or at least you think that until you see the progression of how it used to look before they got a real professional art director. And then you realise, wow, okay, this game actually has come a really long way. But I, I don't know. I, I do wonder if some people are put off by the graphics. Because it, it does look kind of like a game from 10, maybe even 15 years ago. The tutorial section is okay passable but then yes the foreign planets it's like they've got no textures almost yeah and i wonder if there are people who can't get past that mike how did you play this oh well i got it on steam <laughs> and when you actually boot it up it says outer wilds is best experienced with a controller so i actually then went off and found my Xbox One controller and plugged it in. Since, you know, I was expecting to play at keyboard and mouse, but then it literally brought up a special screen saying, it's better with a controller. And it's like, okay, fine. So I got a controller. And how far did you get? I mean, I finished it. Obviously. I finished it and played bits of it again, just because it was so impactful and I wanted to try exploring other stuff. And you? I originally bought it on Steam because it was cheapest there. But there were some DS4 issues, uh, DualShock 4 issues, and I realised that I couldn't save at convenient times. And the PS4 has the suspend mode. Yeah, you can just put it to sleep, I guess. Yeah, so I tried out the Steam refund. 
feature and it's very painless. And I'm playing on PS4. And how far have you gotten? I don't know how far I've gotten. I've played over 10 hours. It's true. It's actually very hard to say how far. Like, how can you even say how far you've gotten in a game like this? But as opposed to say I finished it is giving away that there is a thing to finish. I mean, I played 15 hours. So notionally, I guess you've seen two thirds of the stuff I've seen. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Everything will be spoiled. Even Ting will be spoiled because he hasn't actually finished the game. The things I do for everyone. We're going to, at the end, go into all the questions that the game asks you and all the answers to those questions. And Ting will hopefully have his mind blown and then wish he played this game a bit faster. Sorry, Ting. It's okay. So what is the game... Really? I don't know. I have too many. I don't have, I don't have the words. It's a time loop. That's every 22 minutes, the sun explodes and you die, but then you flash back and wake up again. That's all I have. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, reductively, people are saying it's Majora's Mask crossed with Return of the Obra Dinn. Actually, are people saying that? Or is that just something I came up with? I, it feels like something people should be saying if they're not. Because you've got that time loop aspect, like Majora's Mask, the world is annihilated in some, you know, cosmic cataclysm. In this case, it's the sun, not the moon. But unlike Majora's Mask, where you just go and fight a load of dungeons, it's a mystery. It's literally, it's the end of the world, but you get a do-over. Why is the, well, actually, it's more than the end of the world, it's the end of the solar system. You know, why is the solar system ending? And... What, if anything, can you do about it? And I had heard that it was a time loop. So actually, I kind of knew there was a time loop involved. But it was a surprise to me the first time it happened. I really didn't expect the cool effect where, you know, it's like zooming into the eyes of this thing and you're seeing screenshots of your playthrough for the last 22 minutes just like flashing back at you as it all rewinds back to you waking up at the campsite and looking up at Giant's Deep. But the first time you died, did you exhaust the time loop? Oh, the, the first time I died. So I didn't even make it to the launch codes. I woke up and I talked to the dude and he was like, blah, 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 get the launch codes from the observatory. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, I walked along the path, tried out the little toy spaceship, saw that you could land it near some geezers. And I was like, hmm. I wonder what's down there. And so I walked down there and looked down the hole. And I was like, there's something down there. Can I, can I just jump in there? And so I jumped in there and immediately drowned and died. And just game over. And that was it. Went back to the title screen. And I was like, what? Do I not get an achievement for this? 
Because that definitely seems like achievement fodder to me. Yes. But no, there is no achievement for dying before you even have the first time loop. So I started again. And yes, my first real time where I got the launch codes. And then as I was leaving, there's the freaky statue scene where this strange three-eyed statue turns to face you and its eyes open and weird writing zooms past your head i don't know and that from that point on you're in a time loop and yeah i went out explored it the sun exploded and then i woke up back at the campsite shall we talk about how we made our way through the game seems as good a thing to do as any so let's hear it i think it's going to be very interesting to compare and contrast actually so i went to Giant's Deep because, you know, when you wake up at the campsite, you're looking up at the sky and you see this big green planet and then an explosion of some sort near it and this blue thing flying off. And yeah, I just thought, oh, I'm going to go there. And so after I launched, I looked around the sky and Giant's Deep actually orbit wise is pretty close to you at the start of the loop. So it was pretty easy to find it, lock on, and just fly there with the autopilot. But also, the autopilot in this game just seems to be pretty janky. Or maybe I'm just using it wrong. I don't know. Like, I've definitely had several hilarious fails with the autopilot where it's just, like, slammed me straight into a planet. Like, I've activated it too close to the ground after taking off, even at the start of the loop, and it just, like, face plants me straight (laughs) into the into the ground and then my ship is all wrecked and whatever so i don't know it it might also have been because i was still boosting while the autopilot was on and it messed it up anyway i just kind of crashed into the thing that blew up in orbit around giants deep and then i was like oh well since i've just smacked into it and now i'm kind of like orbiting alongside it i may as well explore this thing so i went into the spaceship which turned out to be the probe launcher and yeah, learned that this thing is firing a probe and part of the launcher has got lost and it, you know it's still out there somewhere. Well, it, I think it's at the bottom of the sea in Giant's Deep and then going down to Giant's Deep and just finding it's full of tornadoes. Tornadoes? Hurricanes? I don't know. Giant Cyclones. spinning water spouts. Yes, that's the word. So pretty wild that planet is wild and i actually spent the next few loops at giant's deep so i would just fly to giant's deep and then just try and explore but giant's deep is really confusing because just everything seems to be moving all the time like i died a few times as well like being on an island and then the island just got flung into space and then just crashed down and just like killed me on impact Actually, the one static landmark on Giant's Deep, I think, is at one of the poles. So there's like a mega cyclone. I can't remember if it's at the North or South Pole, but you can't kind of get through it. But luckily, you've got a spaceship, so you can just fly out of the atmosphere and then back down right into it. And at the eye of this giant cyclone is the Tower of Quantum Knowledge. So that teaches you one of the major mechanics of the game, which is... Well, it's kind of like a pseudoscience 
thing where, you know, quantum theory, you have this whole thing about like the wave function and then it collapses and, you know, it's in a superposition of states until you, until you measure it. And so in this game, they have this mechanic about like macro scale quantum objects, which is like a weird thing about this solar system. And so you learn that there are things that move when you don't look at them and taking a photo of it counts as looking at it. So you can freeze stuff in place by kind of taking a photo of it with your scout and keeping your scout looking at it. And there are a bunch of puzzles involving that. So anyway, after I kind of felt like I'd exhausted everything at Giant's Deep, the other thing I noticed that I really wanted to look at was if you bring up the map of the entire solar system, there is an unmarked dot right at the edge that looks kind of like a distortion. It's like a glowing distortion. And I was thinking, that is clearly some secret thing. I'm going to go there. And so I flew to the edge of the solar system and found what I thought was a black hole. It turns out it was a white hole. And there's a space station orbiting it. And when you get into the space station, you can do some stuff to turn it on and then activate a teleporter and it beams you to Brittle Hollow. So I then spent the next few loops exploring Brittle Hollow. Learning all these things, it feels like you learn all these advanced concepts before you're ready to do it. But you'll say that's okay. That's how I... Well, I it's fine. This is the thing. I, I'm curious to see what your path is. So, and then we can compare and contrast. And so... Yeah, I then did a bunch of stuff in Brittle Hollow and tried to explore Brittle Hollow. And so sometimes I approached it from the White Hole and then other times I approached it by landing my ship there. And so I was just kind of like going all over Brittle Hollow. And I eventually just got really pissed off with Brittle Hollow because at the center of Brittle Hollow is a black hole. And I mean, actually, to be honest... It could have been worse. You could just die if you fell in the black hole and then have to start the loop again. So at least they're not that bad. When you fall in the black hole, you pop out the white hole. But Brittle Hollow is like falling to pieces all the time. And so I was trying to get to this place called the Southern Observatory. Because, because well, basically because I went to most of the other places on Brittle Hollow and the only place left was the Southern Observatory. So I was trying to get there. I fell into the black hole like five times and every time I fell in, it was like, well, that's another loop wasted because by the time I get back there, I'm not going to have time to. So you said you get spent, you know, you didn't die when you get sucked into black hole and you thought it was better that you didn't, but it's better if you did, right? Because it's a wait. What do you do once you've, you've been ejected? Out of the white hole. Yeah, exactly. To, be, to begin with, I was like, oh, this is cool. I can just beam back. And then, yeah, I realized, like, what well, I, I would have been better off dead. You know, I actually would have been better off dead. At least you knew how to beam back. I didn't even know that was an option. Oh, what, really? No. So you never looked around once you got spat out of the white hole? I didn't have enough fuel. Interesting. Everything is... Because if, if you don't know what you're looking for, this game is quite hard. Yeah, I I guess I had the advantage because I flew there in my spaceship the first time. You know, b before I really pieced it all together and realised what was happening. Because it's true, the game is actually very overwhelming to begin with because you can just do anything. 
And so realizing where the Whitehall station was actually beaming me to on Brittle Hollow and then flying to Brittle Hollow with my spaceship and being like, oh, okay, these two places are connected and like starting to starting to tie all the threads together. Yeah, that did take me a while. And then, yeah, you know, basically after that, I was just screw this place, screw this black hole. I'm just going to go somewhere else. And so I just started just flying to other planets and just seeing what was there. I would just like fly to another planet, find a landmark and then just land and look around so the other thing they actually give you is this thing called a signal scope i suppose we could have said this in the spoiler free part but you know the other explorers that are out there they all have a musical instrument and you can hear that musical instrument with this like radio detector you've got so you can just look for one of the other travelers and then just go there and find them and then they will give you some advice about the planet they're on you know you can say oh what's interesting around here and then they'll say why don't you look at this or i was looking at this thing but i never figured it out you know and they'll they'll give you some some ideas if you're stuck so i just went all over the place at this point when you said they give you a piece of equipment i thought you'd you'd refer to the ship log oh well, tell me about the ship log, because I really should have mentioned the ship log. I thought the ship log would drive what you did next. It sounded like you just said, I don't need the ship log. I don't need that. I'm no, gonna, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to just do what I, I really needed the ship log. What, what I would do is, at the start of every loop, I would look at the ship log and look at, look at the clues that it had thought were important enough to record and then see what things were tied together and... Yeah, that, that's the thing. I wasn't trying to follow like one path, you know. It, you know. The way I think this game is done is it's a whole like tapestry of threads that are all kind of like, well, tied together. And you can start unraveling it from any particular thread. And it's actually helpful to approach it from multiple different directions because, you know, I did that whole thing with the Whitehall Station and Brittle Hollow and whatever. It wasn't until some other bit of the game, some completely different bit of the game that I went to as a result of just getting fed up with Brittle Hollow, brought me back to Brittle Hollow, that recontextualized a lot of the stuff I had learned on Brittle Hollow. And then I was like, oh, now I get it. Or now I understand the importance of this room. Or now I understand the importance of this like sentence that I read on you know, one of the artifacts. In fact, there's loads more mechanics that we could have talked about spoiler-free. They just didn't occur to me. There's the translator too, right? There are the Nomai, this dead race of aliens, and you have a translator device, so you can read their text. So there are lots of text logs around, and they give you a lot of information to help you unravel the mystery. Also, there's a lot of environmental storytelling So, you know, the placement of bodies or of items. And then there's actually also some really cool stuff. Like there's one point where you go to a school on Brittle Hollow in the Hanging City. And I don't know if you noticed, like you can't obviously read the writing, but you can tell which bits are written by the teacher and which bits are written by children because like the children's writing is like much cruder. Like you still can't read it except with a translator device, but it's obviously visually less refined than the teacher's writing. I thought that was a really nice touch. 
Okay, so what did you do? Because I think you were much more rigid at sticking to the path, the path, yeah. as you saw it. So, for instance, that first NPC you come across on Timberhearth, he suggests you go to Atorok. So, previously, earlier, we mentioned there are three suggestions, but actually, he does point you in the direction of Atorok, which is the satellite. It's the moon, basically. Right, it's the moon. Yeah. It's the equivalent of Earth's moon, but for this Timberhearth planet. And on Atorok, there's the eye signal locator, and it's proven ineffective. And then... That led me to the Southern Observatory on Butterock, where they, they had built a better locator. And then from there, I think you learned a lot about the story in the Southern Observatory, which you made, you did get there in the end, right? Yeah, I did finally make it there. But I, I think it was like one of the last places I went in the end. But yeah, I did eventually make it to the Southern Observatory, and you learn a lot at the Southern Observatory. Uh, yeah, because even you, you were saying it, you were trying to get there initially. So it's like they do expect you to get there at some point early on. I think. Well, I think they expect you to get everywhere <laughs> at some point. So early on, then is what I mean. Uh, I don't know about early on. I, I'm kind of surprised you went there just because it's such a pain to get. It's really not easy to get there. And then from there, you realize, oh, they've had to change a strategy. They're going to launch a probe instead. And that led me to Giant's Deep, where you find the, the what is orbiting the Giant's Deep? It's the probe launcher. And that reference is a construction yard on Giant's Deep. And then also on Giant's Deep is the, the statue workshop, which is the workshop that's used to build the statue, the, the freaky statue you first come across on Timber Hearth, right? Yeah. And then that led me to the Ash Twin. So I feel it was really important for me that I knew there was a path through, yeah, right, a rigid path, like you said, <laughs> through my investigation. I, I mean, I'm being mean, obviously, because... That's my purpose on this podcast. And that led me back to the Black Hole Forge. And then you, you gave me a, a hint saying, Tink, don't waste your time trying to get into the Black Hole Forge. Well, don't waste your time trying to get to the Black Hole Forge from Brittle Hollow. Yes. So I'm guessing I was meant to use the White Hole Station. Uh, you know what? <laughs> well, actually, no. What's really funny is actually I had this problem in reverse. Right. So... Starting to get into spoiler territory, for you at least. On the Ash Twin, there are teleporters that will take you to every other planet in the game. And when I was having the extreme difficulty getting to the Southern Observatory, I discovered the teleporter to Brittle Hollow on the Ash Twin. And it beamed me... Well, it beamed me to Brittle Hollow, but I didn't know exactly where it had beamed me. And I saw this structure in the sky and I was like, oh, how do I get there? And then I realized I was like glued to the floor by gravity crystals. So I was like, oh, OK, I guess I need to like just jump. So I go out of the influence of the gravity crystals and then can fall to the structure. And I wasted several loops trying to do this where I would like stand on this platform that said Black Hole Forge. So I was stood on this platform that was allegedly to the Black Hole Forge and then just jumped 
and then fell at extreme velocity and slammed into uh, the black hole forge and died okay. from full damage. Or missed and fell into the black hole and popped out the white hole station. And I was like, again with the white hole station? And actually, luckily, this like actually happened by accident, but one of the other travelers, Gabro, also is aware that you know, you're stuck in a time loop and he teaches you how to meditate and just end <sighs> the loop. So once I learned that, I was able to just end it and start the next loop. But, you know, that just happened in a random conversation I had with Gabro later on. But it was very helpful because I had many, many, many failed attempts to get to various places on Brittle Hollow. And anyway, so that's why I actually had the problem in reverse because I knew how to get to the entrance to the Black Hole Forge, but the Black Hole Forge was kind of, well, in the Black Hole. Whereas you had the opposite problem. You were in the Hanging City and knew how to lower the Black Hole Forge so that you can go into it. Like you knew how to take it out of the Black Hole and back to the like entrance, but you didn't know how to teleport to that entrance. No, I did not. Yeah, so you know that's one of the things where it took me a long time to piece it together from both sides, and then I was like, oh, okay, because I really didn't explore a lot of Brittle Hollow for a long time because I just had those very frustrating loops trying to get to the Southern Observatory, and then was like forget Brittle Hollow, I'll come back here later. So to complete where I've got to, I went to the Ember Twin and I had a look around the Sunder City. And I'm pretty sure there's a sun station now. You can see the sun station orbiting the sun. You can just look at it with your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I just never, I never confirmed that. That's what I mean. Okay. So... I'm just going to say the major locations of the game and you tell me if you've been there. So you obviously have been to Timberhearth because you start there and the Atle Rock because you mentioned it. Giant's Deep, Brittle Hollow, Ashtwin, Ember Twin, the Sun Station, which you didn't go to, but you just learned it existed. The Interloper. Not being on the Interloper. So that's a comet that crashes going around the sun. Crashes into the sun? It eventually crashes into the sun because the sun inflates into a red giant and just swallows the interloper. The quantum moon. I've seen the quantum moon. I don't know if that counts for anything. The, the quantum moon is spooky because you don't know it exists. Like it's not really mentioned for a while. And then you just encounter references to it in the lore. And then you realize when you're just flying around, there's a moon, except that when you look away, it's gone. You know, It'll be orbiting a planet, and then once it moves out of your line of sight, it'll just blip into a different planet. So, quantum moon, pretty cool. Fortunately, I saw it on the map, which is, that's the first time I came across it. Which oh, is less, I didn't even notice it on the map. <laughs> less scary. Dark Bramble. Oh, Dark Bramble. I've been to Dark Bramble, yes. I've been there once, and I have no idea what's going on. It's creepy. I have no idea what's going on there. It's really weird, yeah. The, f- the first time I went there, I was super confused as well. It's it's really clever, gameplay mechanics-wise. It's a very interesting place. Okay. And how were you keeping track of things? Were you using the ship's computer? All the time. Did you use it in, like, map mode or in rumor mode? Room mode. Yeah, rumor mode is so much better. I want to see what it looks like in its completed form. I mean, I can send you a screenshot because I have the achievement for completing it. Please. 
There, there's a lot of stuff in this game. There's a lot of stuff. You could argue a lot of it's optional. I think, I think if you were just really aggressively trying to figure out what happened, you probably could have done it a lot faster than I did it, I can tell you. Like I was, I was really quite confused for a long time. And then I think when I eventually figured out what to do, it was actually kind of by accident. Like I did some stuff and the result of me doing things was not what I expected. And I was like, oh, now I get it. And there were also places like I never went to the sun station. Well, I mean, I obviously did eventually, but like I finished the game without ever getting to the sun station. For example, I knew it existed. I could see it, but I never made it there. Did you finish? Did you finish the game accidentally? No, no. After I did the accidental thing, I then accidentally died. Uh, like died for real. Like no more looping died because there's another way to like end the loop. I then realized oh wait, I know what I've got to do. Actually, that's not quite true. I did something and it, it wasn't quite what I expected. But then those last few bits clicked and then it's like, okay. Because I was expecting that, you know, there were, there were two places I hadn't been and I was expecting to get to the penultimate place and that would teach me how to get to the sun station. But actually when I got to the penultimate place, I realized, oh wait, this could just be the end if I do X, Y, and Z. And then... I went and did those things, and that was the end. Like, I... Well, actually, I was going to say... I didn't actually stop the sun exploding. But I did end the game. Let's do the story recap. It's cra- this story is crazy because you've listed five questions here and I don't have the answer to any of these five questions. And I'm two thirds through the game, in theory. Is it just because you're more tenacious than me and you actually spent like a third of those two thirds trying to get to the Sutherland Observatory, whereas I just gave up? I just gave up way faster than you. I don't know. I don't know. Did you have a lot of answers by this point? I think I had done more stuff oh, I see. in a more shallow way. Oh, okay. But yeah, so I will ask some questions to gauge your knowledge of the game and then give you the answers. That's really not fair. <laughs> I'm sorry. Would you, like, would you like to ask me a question instead and I can, I can tell you? No, your format is better, but just know that I don't have everything. I don't know everything. Be gentle. Okay, so who are slash were the Nomai? Like you know a bit, right? Is it an ancient civilization that came to this universe to seek out the eye of the universe? Yeah, well, to this solar system. Yes, sorry, solar system to seek out the eye. Yeah, 
Okay, and then you mentioned the eye of the universe. So what is the eye of the universe? I don't know. That's the great mystery. I'm guessing it's on the quantum moon. Well, uh, to be honest, the eye of the universe is a great mystery, but what made it interesting to the Nomai? Like, why were the Nomai looking for the eye of the universe in the first place? Because it existed before the birth of the universe or the solar system. universe. Yeah, this one is the universe. So the Nomai are just chugging along through space when they detect a signal from something that's older than the universe and they're like what the because you know it's it's a species or race or whatever civilization of explorers scientists artists whatever like you know they're all about i guess it's kind of like the federation in star trek right or like next generation star trek not pew pew blop everything recent star trek and so they lock onto the signal of the eye and warp there but unfortunately for them you may know this bit because it is actually in brittle hollow they don't actually end up at the eye they warp into dark bramble and their ship is wrecked so you know their entire civilization they don't have like a home world they just explore the universe on these giant ships and when they warp into giant bramble the brambles encase and fuse with the ship and like tear it to pieces and so they all have to launch escape pods one of the escape pods just gets stuck in dark bramble one lands on the ember twin and one lands on brittle hollow and that is the start of the nomai civilization in this solar system and because the eye was so fascinating to them they don't just build another, you know, vessel and leave. They decide to stay and look for the eye. And then, as you mentioned, they build an observatory on the Atle Rock to look for it. Because, you know, it gave out a signal before, but they can't detect the signal anymore. And then they build a better observatory at the southern pole of Brittle Hollow. But that can't detect it anymore either. And they're pretty sure it's somewhere in this solar system, like orbiting the star of the solar system at a great distance. But they don't know where. Okay, so why are we in a time loop? I th Okay, but they used those statues to store memories so they can rewind to a state. Sort of, yeah. I mean, the statues are part of it. That's all I know. Yeah. So the statues are part of the Ash Twin project. So what is the Ash Twin project? What is the Ash Twin project? I have no idea. If I was like, if I was in an exam, I would say something to do with sand. <laughs> but I don't think that's the answer. Yeah. The, the Ash Twin project <laughs> is this totally crazy, mind-blowing thing. So, so you never used the teleporter at the White Hole Station to get back to Brittle Hollow. I've never used any teleporter. Okay, this is probably why you don't know this then. So, when you use a teleporter, a little, like, computer thing pops up. Like, you know, those rings with the Know My Writing on. And if you scan it, it says departure time and arrival time. And... 
the arrival time is before the departure time, which is crazy. And if you look at the writing around those kind of teleporters that beam you from one place to another, there will be a bit of a discussion, like a philosophical discussion saying, you know, our instruments say that you arrived before you left. You know, is this a measurement error or is this new science? And they're, you know, they're all saying, surely it's a measurement error, but we'll explore it more at the high energy lab. And if you go to the high energy lab, there's an experiment to try and detect whether or not this weird timing error is an error or not. And so they basically say all of their tests show that when an object is teleported from a black hole to a white hole, it arrives before it leaves. And putting more energy into the system increases the like the divergence like the you know the amount of time it arrives before it leaves and so the high energy lab is literally taking the entire energy for the whole ember twin that's usually powering the city and funneling it into one pair of white and black holes to try and make the effect visible so it's not just like a computer timing error so you can actually see it with a naked eye and it's really cool but at the high energy lab there's a white hole and a black hole And when you fire your scout into the black hole, it pops out of the white hole before it goes into the black hole. You can see it. It's really cool. So when when you do it normally, you just see it go into the black hole and pop out the white hole. And you flick a switch to channel all the energy into this pair of, you know, white and black holes. And then you can see it come out before you fire it in. It's really neat that they actually did it. So the Nomai discover there's this weird causality violation and then the ash twin project is to exploit it so they can't detect the signal from the eye of the universe anymore but they know what the eye of the universe looks like so if they fire out a probe and the probe sees the eye they'll know where the eye is but what are the chances of the probe finding the eye you know you, if you just fire off in a random direction what is the probability that you get the right direction basically none right so their plan and this is like the totally insane thing they will fire the probe in a random direction and if the probe detects the eye it will send a signal back to say i found the eye it's at coordinates blah 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 If they don't find the eye, they will instead reset the loop, send the information back in time, and fire the probe in a different direction. So, subjectively from the perspective of the Nomai, they will just fire the probe, and it will find the eye of the universe. Like, in between, there may have been like millions of loops of getting it wrong, but they won't experience any of those. Because they're just sending the information back every time they got it wrong. So, completely crazy, but like, for the rules of this universe, logically sound. (laughs) Okay, so, how do they get the power to send the information back 22 minutes? From the sun. Yeah. How from the sun? From the sun station. So, how is the sun station collecting the energy? I don't know. It blows up the sun. 
So the sun station is a space station that is designed to make the sun go supernova. That's insane. That's insane. It's insane. It's, it, that's why it makes it crazy, right? So like, this is the thing you're piecing together. You're like, no way. Because it's really good because the writing doesn't suggest that. They just say it's a really controversial idea, but they don't tell you what the idea is. Yeah, so the controversial idea is they're going to blow up the sun. And obviously, if it goes wrong, the sun blows up and everyone dies and that's it. Right. So luckily, it turns out that the Ashtwin project does actually work. So the actual thing I didn't discover until later on is actually the sun station doesn't work. Oh. So when you actually finally make it into the Ash Twin project and read some stuff, they basically say the sun station is a failure. It doesn't work. And when you actually finally make it to the sun station, so I didn't do this until after the game, there's some more, you know, lore text explaining literally it just doesn't work. They, they did everything they could, but there's just no way they can make the sun go supernova. And then someone's joking like, okay, well, we should just work on life extension instead and just do it the long way around. So the real answer is the sun has just reached the end of its natural life. The sun station does nothing. Let's go back to the Ashton project. They find the quantum moon, right? With one of these probes. No, no. The quantum moon is a separate thing, which we can talk about in a bit. Oh, yeah, really? the quantum moon is a Whoa. separate thing. There's a whole separate set of lore about the quantum moon. I still don't know what the eye of the universe is then. I don't know where it is. Well, the eye of the universe is literally the last place you go. Like, when you make it to the eye of the universe, that's the end of the game. Okay. Okay. And then, I guess, last law test question then. What happened to the Nomai? No idea. In the game, you see a lot of skeletons. Yeah, they're very evidently all dead. But why? Because it also just literally looks like, you know, they're not dead in any orderly way. There's just like skeletons everywhere, like in the middle of mm. just normal life. It's like they literally just fell down and died. Some sort of hive mind. Mm, interesting guess. I mean, this, this is another thing that I totally didn't see coming. So the Nomai are actually all killed by ghost matter. So... Basically, all of the ghost matter in the solar system comes from the interloper, it turns out. Inside the interloper was this, like, capsule rock thing, I don't know, that could contain ghost matter. And it exploded. So you can see some Nomai found it, and they were like, this thing's da under dangerous pressure, we need, to, we need to warn people. And evidently it exploded very shortly after they discovered it, and just killed everyone. And probably, well pretty much everything in the solar system as well so i think the only reason the hearthians you know your species from timber hearth survive are because it mentions at the time that you know the nomai were mining a material from timber hearth to use to build the ashton project and they mentioned that there's a species of four-eyed aquatic creatures that they've discovered in one of the mining sites so they need to mine somewhere else and so those four-eyed aquatic creatures are what become the Harthians. And ghost matter is neutralised by water, it turns out. So that's why you survived. How convenient. So it's very neat. 
but it, it's really cool there's all these mysteries and you you know you're tying them together and you're figuring it all out and yeah when you when you finally figure out you know like how to get to the core of giants deep and then you find the actual like tracking module of the probe cannon and then it replays all of the probe traces that it recorded and it's something like it's something like nine million and something attempts before it actually finds the eye of the universe and then it gives you the coordinates of the eye and so to finish the game you have to learn the coordinates of the eye i mean you don't actually necessarily have to learn them in game because when you use them if you found them in game it will remind you at the bottom left corner of the screen but even if you didn't find them in game you can literally just manually punch them in so you basically need to find an advanced warp core so you can actually take one from the Ashtwin project. Take it back to the Nomai's original vessel, which is capable of using an advanced warp core. Plug in the new working warp core, plug in the coordinates of the eye, warp to the eye, and then do stuff at the eye, which is the end of the game. But that's enough spoilers. It's crazy. I still couldn't finish the game with all this information that you've given me. And I actually don't know what the, the point of the game is still. No, it's to prevent the, uh, the solar system from blowing up, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the eye is the source of all of the quantum weirdness. So you can use the eye to do stuff. Good. Good. It's a cool game. There's a lot more. I've only just scratched the surface, even though I've just given massive story spoilers, but there's even more. It's it's a really good game. And I, you know, I think if you're discovering, you know, you're getting these revelations as you play and you're piecing it all together, it's really rewarding. Like I I mean, obviously it was my pick, so I thought it was gonna be good, but it was better than I expected. I slept at 3 a.m basically every night after starting to play this game just because i couldn't stop it was terrible actually but yeah i was really hooked until i solved the mystery and then i was finally like oh thank goodness i can i can <laughs> i can stop so what about the quantum moon is there anything you can say about that i mean there's a lot i could say about it what, what do you want to know about the quantum moon here you've noted how to land on the quantum moon what the hell what the hell this was actually kind of interesting because i was on the wrong track for this and i think you were similarly on the same wrong track as me because we both discovered on brittle hollow a shuttle launch pad yes and when you when you translate you know like the computer at the shuttle launch pad it says the shuttle is on the quantum moon yes so I was like, oh, the shuttle's on the quantum moon. And the shuttle actually has like a warp core in it. So you can recall the shuttle back to the launch pad. So I recalled the shuttle. And then I was like, okay, this shuttle has some special technology on it that lets it land on the quantum moon. And so I thought I need to keep the quantum moon at Brittle Hollow and then launch the shuttle to land me on the moon. So this is, the, this is my original approach to doing it. And so... There is actually a quantum moon detector as well. And so I flew to the quantum moon detector and 
looked at it and looked away and looked at it and looked away until the moon was around Brittle Hollow. And then I tried to leave my scout at the detector while it was at Brittle Hollow because I thought that would leave the moon like locked to Brittle Hollow and then flew back to Brittle Hollow and then tried to get in the shuttle and launch myself at the moon. But unfortunately, when you get back into your spaceship, it closes the little picture window for your scout. And at that point, the moon can go wherever it likes again. So this approach did not work. And what I actually did to land on the moon, I saw the moon was around Giant's Deep, so it was like really near to me when I launched at the start. I was like, surely it can't be this simple. Shot my scout deliberately so it would miss the moon and used the reverse camera so it was looking at the moon as it was flying away and just flew my ship straight at the moon. And it turns out, because my scout was looking at the moon, the moon couldn't warp away. And my ship just face-planted into the moon at great <laughs> speed and, like, wrecked itself. But luckily, I was able to get out before it blew up. So that's how I landed on the quantum moon. It's, it's the same way that you do the other quantum things. You have to be looking at it with a picture so that the thing can't move. Because otherwise, when you try and fly into the quantum moon, you kind of go into this, like, misty atmosphere and then you can't see it i guess because you're in the mist and then the moon just teleports away so you have to be looking at the moon from another perspective to keep it in its orbit while you fly through the mist is that the agreed way to do it yeah to fire a scout i mean you don't have to necessarily do it exactly the way i did it but i think you need to have something looking at the moon it just seems so messy to have a scout looking at it from its reverse camera I mean, you could probably just like fire the scout in a different way or even have the scout on the ground looking up at the moon as long as the moon is in shot. Yeah, that but seems... the easiest way I thought was to do it that way because if you, if you ever move such that the moon is not in your viewport, the moon will teleport away. That just seems so pro. So firing the scout just to graze the edge of the moon but not actually go into the moon. Because if you fire the scout at the moon, you'll lose contact with the scout. Like the scout will go all like hazy and then you have to recall the scout. So yeah, anyway, that's how I landed on the moon. And then the quantum moon has its own crazy set of rules, obviously, because it's all quantum and there's cool stuff you discover on the moon. You should finish this game. You should play it some more. Yeah, it sounds like a puzzle game now. I, th- I don't know. I think it. I, I guess it is. I just really enjoyed it. I, I guess I really enjoyed Oberdin as well. I suppose I've realised I really enjoy these kind of detective problem-solving games. And this one, in a way, feels purer than Oberdin. Because Oberdin... Well, actually, I think the problem a lot of these detective games have 
is how do they tell if you really know? Like, how do they judge if you've got the knowledge? Right. And like Oberdin, you have to type in the answer and it tries to decide if the answer you've given is good enough. But this one, I guess it's just all knowledge. You know, I there is the one thing you unlock, I suppose, which is the computer or the other signals. Like, you know what signals to listen to. But, you know, there's no abilities you unlock. Like, you don't unlock a better spacesuit or the ability to walk on spikes or anything. Like, it's all just the things you've got available at the start of the game and the things you learn. So, to sum up. These planets are so special. They're crafted in such a great way. They're so unique. And it's totally how I imagined No Man's Sky to be. Really? You definitely had way too high hopes for No Man's Sky, or you definitely didn't know how procedural generation works. Because we compared, you know, back then before we had Outer Wilds, we compared it to Interstellar. And these these planets are interstellar in terms of design. The problem is that there's not they're just a lot smaller in scale, which makes sense for the gameplay. But imagine if they had Giant Steep at true scale. Okay, here's an interesting question. Do you think if the planets were actually real planet-sized, would that make the game better or worse? Worse. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, Because, yeah, it, I think it's pointless having a giant space full of nothingness. I mean, there is a certain element of that being interesting too, I guess, because it's the needle in the haystack, or it's... It's a way to hide those nuggets of information and that, you know, that truth and solve these like knowledge puzzles. But at the same time, it would just be boring, wandering aimlessly, right? Unless you had a map and you had to find it in this canyon at this point and that the whole sense of scale would be quite dramatic, jaw dropping. I mean, I guess I can see it working, but... It would be a very different game, not to mention the fact that if the world was so much larger, 22 minutes wouldn't cut it. Like, it'll, be di- it'll be a different game. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really elegant, like this, just this toy universe, what, toy solar system and everything fitting together like clockwork and, and all the things that happen at different times and you start to know about when things happen. Or, you know, this loop is a write-off. <laughs> just, yep. just start me off again. This is not a knock on the game. It's just it's opened my eyes onto bigger and greater things. I'm still in awe of Giant's Deep. You really liked that planet on Interstellar with the giant tidal waves. And, and Giant's it. Deep, I guess, really is that planet, right? <laughs> it's Incredible. that planet in game form. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to say is the internet warnings made this game a lot harder than it is it made it sound like you can easily get lost i don't think that's the case maybe maybe it's an age thing because we we still remember back when you know games were hard no i'm kidding but back when games didn't have waypoints right like i think if a game has a waypoint system now I just switch my brain off and just follow the waypoints. Right. And I kind of know it's bad, 
And I know I could sometimes turn the waypoint system off, but because it's there, I'm going to use it, right? It would, why, why, why make my life harder? But like this game, this game is like a pure old game back when they couldn't have a waypoint system because it's too difficult. I mean, they really could have one now, but they just deliberately don't have one, right? This game is very much, we're keeping this information for you, but you've got to go out and find it yourself. And, you know, the rumor mode where they tie everything together for you is really helpful. If this was a really old school game, there wouldn't even be that. Or they'd have it, but when the loop resets, your computer resets too, and you have to leave it all on paper, right? Like I was, well, I had a Google Doc open. I was writing all this stuff down and then I discovered the rumor mode. I was like, oh, this is so much easier. (laughs) Mike, how do you want to summarize this? Uh, do, Do I need to summarize it more? I felt like you were you were so premature at the beginning when you were singing his praises before we even started. Yeah, I, I've already said all I need to say. I mean, I may have said it in a really weird order, but just pretend it's a loop and put it at the end instead. I don't know. Yeah, you see, that's the thing. I already knew it was really good. I sent it back from the end of this podcast to the start and just front loaded it all. So, okay, I'll say it again for you linear time folks it's a really great game but the the problem is now if you listen this far it's all been spoiled for you so just play it anyway i didn't actually tell you how to do anything i just told you why everything was happening so yep even now i don't oh, know apart from do. the quantum moon apart from the quantum <laughs> moon sorry but you should have figured that out yourself i i accept no guilt for this So what are we playing next time? We have a suggestion. Okay. Hit me. Dream Daddy Simulator. (laughs) This is so random. (laughs) But cool. We respect we respect the suggestion. Can I say that? Is that (laughs) I think it's funny because have you played a visual novel before? No, I've not. I've asked. I've asked for for your opinion on this one because I don't play visual novels. I mean, I've played a few. I haven't played this one. I think the visual novel genre is one with an interesting reputation. And it's a reputation I wasn't aware of till earlier this year. So let's see. <laughs> I don't. The thing is, this game's on Steam. I don't. I think this game is. This game is aware of the reputation visual novels have, but I don't actually think it's particularly racy. So we'll see. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> we were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.an.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. As Lost Levels Club. Anywhere else? Reddit slash r slash Lost Levels Club. Mike, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful that I discovered. <laughs> a way easier way to remove mouth click sounds in the podcast (laughs) so if you've been listening to the podcast from the start 
you may have noticed that as time has gone on, there are fewer and fewer mouth clicking sounds. And that's actually not only because we've got better at recording. It's also <laughs> largely because I edit out all the mouth clicks like an insane person. and Like a ninja. Like a ninja. Not like an insane person. Like a ninja. <laughs> like a ninja with OCD. Anyway, I discovered Audacity has a repair function and it's really good at just fixing mouth clicks. It's changed my life. It hasn't really. <laughs> well, maybe it has, I don't know. It's it's much easier than what I was doing before, I can tell you that. <laughs> so Michael says bye. Bye bye. <laughs>